The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to Fast Money, everybody. Tonight, one of the biggest weeks for earnings kicks off. They could drive this juggernaut stock market even higher. So should you trade it or should you play it? Fade it. We're going to play it. Plus, Starbucks on a venti-sized run. Another new high today. But with coffee prices surging, is it time now to trade down? And ready for takeoff? Maybe not so fast. A new survey shows business travel may not be coming back as fast as we thought, but you may want what it means for one major sector of stocks ahead. Hello, everybody. I am Brian Sullivan. In for Melissa Lee tonight, most known for combining the words play and trade into some new word I just made up in the intro. Your trader lineup, by the way, they're lean and mean. They're ready to go. Steve Grasso, Pete Nigerian, and Mike Co. Grasso now of Grasso Global. Congrats on that, Steve. All right, we start a record finish to one wild week. Do you remember Monday's market meltdown? The S&P dropping more than a percent and a half. The Dow down over 900 points, nearly every stock lower. You say you don't? Well, apparently neither do investors. Because apparently we not only ended the week higher, but check this out. The S&P 500 up 4% from the Monday lows and is now sitting at another record highs. 23 stocks in the S&P hitting a new all-time high today. Names like Advance Auto Parts, PayPal, Pepsi, the NASDAQ, and Roper, the company, not the nosy landlord. And oh, yeah, the Dow finished above (laughs) 35,000. Another big thank you for getting that for the first time ever. All of this as we get ready for a huge week ahead. Some names you might have heard of. Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Alphabet, Tesla. Wow. So Steve Grasso of Grasso Global with markets at record highs and a slew of important results on deck. How are you setting up for next week's trade? Well, I got to tell you, Brian, the market has been some jack tripper for the average investor here. (laughs) But if you look at what happened on Monday, if you look at what happened on Monday, the S&P stopped on a dime at the 50-day moving average and just ticked up, almost down to the dollar, basically, on the S&P, which means that people are watching technicals because they have zero clue what to do. Sarah kind of summed it up really nicely. People were worried about the Delta variant, inflation, and then earnings kind of pushed all those worries by the wayside. So what do you do now? You look at your value basket, you look at your growth basket, and you say, let me make sure that I have a mix of both. Is the 10-year movement based on lack of growth 
or is it more what I think positioning? People were so short treasuries, and when they didn't break, yes. Brian, they were forced to cover. And, and, and Pete, with all due respect to all my friends and colleagues, I find it hard to believe the Delta variant sent markets down. And then the next day, the markets rallied back when the Delta variant was still there. I look at the structure of the market, OK, underneath the hood, what you and John and, and all you guys do very well. Mike, look at it options, right? Everybody in the options market, they're going long. They're going long equities. They're selling volatility short. You get some kind of a spark. And then you have that sort of big implosion. And we've seen this now many times, these thousand point down days only to come rallying back, Pete. I mean, are you confident that whatever went wrong on Monday with volatility, options, structure, is that over? Well, I would say this, Brian, um, it's not just Monday, it's Friday. You combine those two days and the markets absolutely were getting crushed, right? So then all of a sudden, it seemed as if, and here's the interesting part, when we were looking at the options markets, and I know Mike watches them just as close as I do, but the reality was this. People were not coming in in a panic looking for puts. They weren't, that wasn't it at all, as a matter of fact. The trade that we were seeing was the aggressiveness, and Steve brings up a really good point about those technicals on Monday. It hit that number and literally flipped and turned and burned to the upside off of that number to close a little bit better. So I think the reality is this. There, there are The bears are not necessarily in the market. Yes, I think the headlines were stealing things. That's what was pushing the markets down. But suddenly we, we did make that turn. And we, as we made that turn, the focus became, all right, well, what about earnings? Well, the earnings season continues. The earnings season continues to be very, very strong. And when we look at today, as a matter of fact, or last night, and you look at Twitter and Snap and some of the implications of those in terms of what does that mean for Facebook? What does that mean for Apple? What does that mean for a lot of these different tech companies that really start to explode into the earnings season this coming week? So that's the exciting part for me. But I, I'm with you. And when you look at volatility, by the way, it was up there towards 25. Yeah. It got sold off to 16 in a heartbeat. It was just absolutely amazing to me, Brian, how fast things turn. And that tells you that you are right. It was, it was the Delta variant maybe as a headline, but there was a lot more going on underneath as well. Well, I think, I think that's it. And again, I'm not trying to discount any headlines or any of my colleagues or whatever, right. but you talk to options traders as, as I do all day long for the most part, or at least read their stuff. And Delta, Mike, may have been the match but it certainly wasn't the cause. I mean, was it that technical bounce to Steve's point Monday off that 50-day moving average? Because I'll tell you what, the names, and let's show them again, the stocks that are rolling out their earnings next week, these are the names. It's not oil companies or whatever that control the stock market. These are the names that are the top five holdings of every major ETF out there. These are the names, I think, Mike, it's fair to say, that have to come through, do they not? Yeah, I mean, they absolutely do. I mean, first of all, in terms of options volume, the stocks that you were just talking about that are all reporting next week, out of the couple hundred names that are reporting, the top six names, Amazon, Apple, we're talking about Alphabet, obviously, Facebook, Tesla, these stocks actually represent notionally about 90% of the options volume of all of the stocks that are going to be reporting next week. Wow. And actually, one of the things that Pete was talking about, we did not see the panic in the options market for those stocks on Monday that would have been most affected by the Delta variant. So what would those have been? For example, retail, we're talking about Macy's, Nordstrom's, Gap Stores, AEO, those types of stocks 
actually didn't see people rushing in to buy puts. We saw huge put volume, but what were they doing? They were actually selling them, selling premium, looking for opportunities to own those stocks at significantly lower levels. I think there are some people who feel like they've seen this rally, have missed this rally, and perhaps it was the 50-day moving average that they were saying, this is my opportunity perhaps to try to get in now. I mean, amazing points there. And again, not trying to discount the headlines. You know, it's, listen, it's, it's a hard day when you every day, Steve, you got to find a reason why stocks grow up or down. I don't want to write those headlines because guess what? Tomorrow the headlines may change. We certainly have seen that. Let's look ahead. All right. I've got a chart here of the S&P 500 against price to earnings. My friends at Y Charts made it. Thank you very much. Steve, to, to, to Mike's point, when we look at valuations, have, from the numbers you have heard so far, from the guidance you have heard so far, are you comfortable with where we are in that valuation zone right now? Yeah, I'm 100% comfortable. And I think what people have misconstrued is what I, what I mentioned uh, at the tip-off of the show. The movement in the 10-year yield is not indicative of where we're seeing growth. Everyone on this desk that watches earnings will tell you that earnings are off the charts. People have seen this, and once, when you start to see the 10-year yield and you start to bet against the Russell 1,000, 2,000, and you start to say, we're in a low-growth environment, I think you're making a tremendous mistake. There's still so much money out there, and the reopening hasn't even begun to take place, Brian. So when you look at retail, uh, Mike brings up Nordstrom. Macy's. When you look at these names, if people are still flush with cash, that cash train is not ending or that gravy train is not ending until September. And that's proposed to be ending in September. People are in much better positions than they, than they were pre-pandemic. Bookings on all of these companies are higher than pre-pandemic, not higher in the last six months, higher before we got hit with a, with a, with a train wreck. Yeah. So that means a lot to me. People that are watching the trade, watch earnings. Don't watch the 10-year. Well, the te- Pete, to be fa- yeah, uh, watching earnings. And by the way, we're always watching earnings. It feels like every week is some kind of an earnings season, as we know that. I like Steve's point. You know, we can book the trip now, but you spend on the trip when you actually take it maybe in five or six weeks. Uh, we'll get more on business travel a bit later in the show. I don't want to give too much away, but Pete... As we look ahead to next week, what's going to be the most important thing to you? Is it one of the earnings? Is it the Fed, which is coming up on Jackson Hole, by the way? What's the most important thing to Mr. Pete Najarian? Well, you know, it it has to be earnings, for me at least. And it has to be uh, what kind of delivery are we going to hear from Apple and from Facebook and from Microsoft? Because... We all can sit back and say, you know what, it looks like everything is lining up to be absolutely fantastic, and, and, and maybe it will be. But I think the reality is we want to hear it. We want to see it. And we want to see exactly how well these companies are doing and how are they navigating. And I think that they are very, very strong. I think that read-through through Snap and Twitter does tell me a lot about Facebook and Google and some of those types of names. But I think the reality is we still have to hear, Brian, we want to hear what is Apple saying? How strong is it really? Because this is a stock that was in pause for a really long time. And then suddenly when it started to yep. accelerate to the upside, we did hit those new highs at 150. And then we pulled back almost immediately. And here we are knocking at the door again. We break through there. 
there might be a lot more room to the upside than a lot of people think because of especially some of the options that Mike and I have seen in terms of buying, whether it's out in August or other months. They are buying high strikes, Brian, far away from where we are right now. Good stuff. Great intel as always, guys. And we can all sit around the table tonight and tell our children we remember what happened last Monday. Those weren't the days. It's not just big tech reporting next week. We are getting earnings across nearly every group of companies. But just to walk you through some of the stocks one by one would be really bad television. So instead, we're going to hit them with a nice round of trade it or fade it. And let's start with Thomas Edison's baby. GE, numbers out Tuesday and down 6% since its last earnings report. Mike, your take on GE. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, GE, this was a company that was seriously impaired coming out of the credit crisis. And what we learned at that time was it was also a company that, on those really smooth earnings over all those decades that preceded it, had been sticking a lot of skeletons into their closet, and eventually they ran out of room and it started to fall out. Now, under new management, having moved the headquarters of the business, they've done a lot of things to try to shore up some of the shakier parts of the business, and it seems like they are on the right track. That said, it is a big entity, and you know I, I look at it right now, and I just can't get that excited about it. I still think I want to see it go a little bit further. You never said fade it, but we'll take it as a fade it. Pete, trade it or fade it? <laughs> it was. All right, so I'm going to trade it. And the reason I'm going to trade it, Brian, is this. I think Larry Culp took on something that was even bigger than he maybe expected it to be, right? It did get a bit of a bounce, a, a very nice bounce off of those lowest levels where it was in the single digits to where it is right now. But it has pulled back once again. When I look at the aviation uh, side of things and uh, as well as renewable energy, I think that they've got a couple of the elements that they've needed for this to be a solid quarter for them. So I think right now I think there's a better upside, and especially as it's faded into this, I think it's a trade going forward. Play both sides, just like a typical options trader. All right, next up, Edison's <laughs> buddy, Henry Ford, started this company. It's called Ford. They make cars and trucks. Their numbers are delivered on Wednesday. Ford, by the way, up more than 10% since its last report. Steve Grasso, trade or fade? Right out of the shoot, I'm going to play the game properly. It's a fade, Brian, so play cue that music. <laughs> So this one, when you look at the stock chart on this, depending on where you start from or where you finish, June to July, it was down 22%, as much as 22%, currently down 16%. We just heard from uh, GM, it's not that easy to transition to an EV company. I ordered the new Bronco. I still can't get the new Bronco, Brian, and that's not an EV car. Imagine when they're trying to get the chips to convert themselves from the traditional Ford to the EV side, this is something where I think the stock got way ahead of itself. I am a value guy as of late. I like the price okay. action in it, but it's off the recent highs, so I'm going to stick with that eh, ruling on the stock. <laughs> Until you get the Bronco, and then it's a play. We'll see what happens. Pete Jerry and trade it or fade it. <laughs> 
absolutely trade it. I think because of the fact that it's given you an opportunity here, I think the EV market is going to be huge for them. We all talk about it. I know Steve believes it as well, but it's not here yet. You're 100% right. But as you look towards the future of this company, that is the direction. In the meantime, I think you can look at the commercial line, and that is going to give them a lot of great opportunities going forward. So I think because of the fact that it's pulled back a little bit, I think it's gotten a little bit too cheap. I think this is a stock that actually can bounce and springboard back and maybe test the recent highs. Okay, finally, still hard, maybe not in the future, but right now, still hard to run most cars with gas and oil, or without it, rather, and oil prices moving higher, too. You got ExxonMobil reporting on Friday. Mike, trade or fade Exxon? Fade it, now that I've figured out how to play this game. But here's the thing. Exxon's got some games (laughs) of its own to play. So the thing is, here's a company that's trying to support its dividend. It's trying to pay down debt, and it's got to replace its reserves. And it cannot do all three of those adequately with its cash flow. That's not to say that oil prices can't go higher, but they are facing basically a trifecta of things they need to resolve. So I'm going to fade Exxon. What say you, Bronco Grasso? I'm going to say trade this one. Uh, 54 has been support way back since March, uh, way back since March. So this one is definitely a trade for me. I think this one's going to start rallying again and get giddy up, get back on the horse, as my friend Pete Nigerian would say. There you go. Nice Bronco pun. All right, on deck. We know you're excited, but maybe don't book that flight for a business trip just yet. The surprising results of one new travel survey ahead. Plus, Starbucks surging to more records. But something just happened that may make you think twice about dropping some dimes on Starbucks stock. What that is, when Fast Money returns after this. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I'm flying for work on Sunday. In fact, all next week, we're going to have some really cool stories to tell you from the road out in California. I won't give too much away because I want you to tune in And I bring this up not just as shameless self-promotion, although that's a huge part of it, but because while there is a lot to talk about in the return to normal for business travel, check this. A new survey says we may be jumping the gun a bit. According to Morgan Stanley, travel budgets in 2022 are expected to be more than 17% below pre-COVID levels. That's a bigger drop than previous expectations of a 15% decline. This is a stock show, so let's bring it back to stocks. And what this might mean, Pete, for airlines and the hotel trades, by the way, I got a connection at MSP on Delta. If I miss it, I'm knocking on your door Sunday. (laughs) Yeah, I'll be looking for you and I'll open the door up for you. I really will. I'll keep the light on, as somebody on Twitter was just saying to you about Motel 6. 
So I, I think the reality is this, though. Yes, you're exactly right, and Morgan Stanley is right about, about what they're seeing here. The percentages, they all make total sense. But I think the reality is, if, and you, I'll challenge you to this one, anybody, any one of us on the panel, if we've flown a lot, you are on full aircraft, you are on planes that actually are oversold. So I know the business traveler is yep. not there, but we are seeing the, the other travelers, whatever they may be doing, whether they're visiting Florida or California or family or whatever, wherever they're going, every single flight has been busy. So I think that's reason enough for me to say, you know what, I can start getting a lot more interested in the airlines than I had been. And I think there is much more upside. We've seen a lot of options, as a matter of fact, in, in American Airlines, in United Airlines, in Delta Airlines, in uh, yeah. Southwest. And All of them have been hitting. So I think that there is a return there, as well as some of the hotel space as well, Brian. So I think there's a lot of reasons the Airbnbs of the world have been trading the way they have been. Well said. And it's about pricing power as well. Costs are up. Looking at the airlines Pete, thank you very much. All right, up next, why something happening in Brazil may be bad news for Starbucks shareholders at a riding record highs right now. That's next. Definitely a venti, better known to most of us as a large. But whatever you call it, it's what's happening to Starbucks stock lately. New records. And analysts, they like it. Baird analysts this week saying the mermaid will likely see high single-digit revenue growth for, quote, many years to come. They also raised their price target by 20% to $142. We have more on this call on our website, cnbc.com slash pro. But right now, let's go ahead and trade this. Michael, come to you. Yeah, I'm a buyer of Starbucks. I mean, one of the things we're definitely seeing is obviously they're seeing an increase in foot traffic. And I think they have some pricing power. They're able to raise their prices, dealing with things like higher input costs and commodities like coffee. So this is one that I think you stick with, along with a lot of the other sort of fast, casual dining restaurants as well. Yeah. But Pete, what I brought up is coffee prices up 20 percent or whatever this week alone. Floods, droughts, both of them in Brazil. Their input costs are going to soar. Yes. They are, no doubt about it. But let's also be honest, Brian. When's the last time you've seen prices for coffee when the price of coffee's gone down? Has the price for coffee at Starbucks gone down? I'll give you the answer. The answer is no. All it's done is gone up, 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 up over the years. So I think there's a lot of reasons to be excited about this company. I think the cold beverage side of it has become a monstrous piece, a multi-billion dollar piece to, to the puzzle of what we've been seeing. And uh, you look at the Gen Zers, you look at the millennials, that's the direction that they are taking. And this is a company that's already talked about how much expansion they're going to make with their stores going out into the future, 55000 by 2030. So there's a lot of reasons to be excited about Starbucks right now. And I think that the cold side of things is exactly yeah. the direction that they are seeing the most growth. Okay, not too worried about it again. Looking at prices here, I mean, for coffee, watch out. All right, time now for your final trades. Let's go around the horn and wrap it up. Global Grasso, what do you say? Hey, we discussed it a little bit earlier. General Electric into earnings, buy, buy, buy. I know I'm not crazy about this reverse stock split, but I am crazy about Larry Culp. I think he's got the goods to turn this one around. Pete? I'm kind of backstabbing us a little bit. I'm doing CBS because I'm going with Viacom, but I saw a lot of option activity in there. I think this stock's <laughs> going higher. <laughs> and Mike. 
Yeah, if you want to be in the airline trade but you're concerned about a slow recovery in business travel, pick an airline that doesn't have as much exposure to it, like Southwest Airlines, which is trading relatively cheap, has lower exposure and a great balance sheet. All right, guys, a great show as always. Thank you for taking it easy on me. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.